Welcome to the One Away Show, presented by BW Missions. I am Brian Wish, and I am your host, and thanks so much for being here. On this show, I sit down with compelling entrepreneurs, authors, and rising leaders to talk through their most transformative relationships, experiences, and epiphanies. Curated with entrepreneurial leaders in mind, we'll dig into these finite moments in people's lives and understand how they helped set their path forward. Debbie Kleiman is an award-winning marketer, teacher, startup advisor, mentor, and angel investor with over 15 years of experience working with and coaching startups of all kinds. She is a managing partner of Upside Angels, investing in early-stage startups and providing strategic advisory services and coaching for founders. Prior to this, she spent five years as the executive director of the Arthur M. Blank Center of Entrepreneurship at Babson College, the number one school in the nation for entrepreneurship. A marketer at heart, she previously spent a decade leading initiatives in brand development and innovation at Coca-Cola, Welch's, and Procter & Gamble. She recently wrote First Pitch, an Amazon bestseller and number one release in startups and venture capital. Using easy-to-follow frameworks, stories, and best practices honed by analyzing thousands of pictures, Debbie helps you build the relationship and communication strategies you need to get your new venture to the next level. Debbie, welcome to the One Away Show. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to have you here. It's been great getting to know you, what, five years now since uh, back and forth emails and a great meeting a month ago. Um, Yeah, we keep intersecting. Right. You know, uh, it must be a sign or something. (laughs) Um, And yeah, well, we do. Um, So Debbie, uh, what's the one away moment that you want to share with us today? Well, as I look back on my career, I feel like my one away moment was definitely the time that I realized you should never take a job for the money. Um, So that had a profound impact on what I was doing at that time. And then what I went on to do after that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, You see a lot, I think a lot of early 20, mid 20 year olds play a short-term game and uh, regret it later. So uh, tell me where you were in your life when you took this high, higher paying job and what made you decide to do it. and and how you felt maybe during the experience where you realized this was not a good fit at all. (laughs) Okay. Um, So at the time before I uh, took this role, I was the president of a nonprofit trade association in Boston that worked with tech startups and digital marketing and media companies and other types of players in the tech ecosystem that were really playing a role in the transformation of companies to a digital world and and all kinds of digital transformation. Um, And in that role, I got to be a part of an amazing community here in Boston of of tech people and startup people and innovation people that were really focused on bringing Boston forward as an innovation hub. And that was work that I loved and I was really passionate about it. And all the people I worked with, I really adored too, because we were all just so on the same page about where we wanted to take this and, and what we wanted to do for the Boston community. And then um, I got offered an opportunity at about five years into this um, to run a very large media agency, digital media agency um, in the Boston area, and then also run the San Francisco office as well at the same time. And it was a really incredible opportunity with a very well-known agency that had great resources, great people, 
um, and really, really good clients. So I saw it as an opportunity to flex some muscles that I had never flexed before in terms of running a very large organization, um, in terms of being on the agency side like that, uh, versus being on the client side of of a marketing um, job. And it was a true executive leadership role um, on an executive leadership team that was really focused on growth and change. And it seemed to be a lot of great energy and excitement around it. Mm, wow. Uh, okay. So you you had a job that you're, well, I can hear is you're very fulfilled by. Um, you're working in tech. You are working in a sector that uh, give you a lot of fulfillment, joy, maybe purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you, this out of left field, this maybe not out of left field, your hard work, they clearly saw something in you um, and said, here's this beautiful, big paying opportunity to come do X um, or lead and run. Um, and what, um, I, I guess my question for you is, we, how were you, how do you evaluate the decision to, See their stay versus go. Like, what? What was your thinking criteria at the time? Well, they had mentioned in the whole process that they were very interested in innovation and connecting with the startup community, and that's why my candidacy was so attractive to them. Was because I had these networks, I had this experience of dipping into the startup world for great innovation. Um, and so I thought what it was going to be was a great melding of the things that I loved around marketing and then also around the digital world and then bringing startups to bigger companies and giving them an opportunity to shine um, and to grow their own businesses. Uh, and it just excited me to play that kind of role where I was bringing people together who normally wouldn't bump into each other. Uh, and that is something I had been doing you know, for many years in different roles was bringing people together, connecting people in an ecosystem. In this case, it was connecting big uh, client companies to startups who could help them revolutionize their digital media, revolutionize their marketing, um, and really you know, showcase them as leading edge. Mm, got it. Makes total sense. Um, and and tell, tell me this, with your job that you were doing that, that was giving you a lot of the joy and the fulfillment that you ultimately left. Um, as you look back on that, what, what were the criteria and the components of that job that you were like, that, that maybe made you come alive more than you had ever knew? Yeah, for me, it was really a great job for my skill set. It was being a connector which is something that I think I'm very good at and I love to do. I love to connect people and make stuff happen. I love to find ways to um, introduce someone to uh, a company or a person that can help them move forward in a way they might never have thought of. So my whole role was really being a connector and a convener. Um, We put on many large events, award shows, educational programs. So it really encompassed all those things that I loved in terms of celebrating great work, educating people about innovation, um, and, and meeting new people to expand your network. So that job really had all those pieces that I loved. And in the course of doing that job, part of my constituency was, you know, the tech startup community here in Boston. And it happened to be a really exciting time here in Boston um, because it was 
a time when Techstars had just started in Boston. It was a time when Mass Challenge had just started in Boston, another accelerator program. It was a time when the uh, the Boston city government was really recognizing that we needed to lead in tech innovation and had sort of taken the steps to create an innovation district in Boston. So all these forces were coming together to make you know my role in being a convener and a connector um, you know to be a great platform to make big things happen. So that's what I loved about yeah. it. And you know, obviously, the people is what makes all that go. Yeah, I really noticed like, your, your deep appreciation for community. And then it seems like that job would give you a true platform to be able to really build these skills to lead, convene, create community, uh, or maybe a shared mission. And then also just maybe give you a greater appreciation for the city and Boston and what was there. Um, yeah. So very cool. Um, so I think it, it's really important to understand, you know, what you liked about something. So when you go to something else, it's hard to sometimes see what was so great right in front of you. Um, in this job that you ultimately left and, you know, that you came into and transitioned from, um, you know, talk to me about those first few months or maybe I'm not sure how long you were there. Feel free to share, but what, what was it about that opportunity where you realized, wow, I might've made a mistake or I might've, you know, this might've been the wrong decision. Well, initially, I was just blown away by um, the agency life and and how exciting it was and how sexy it was. You know, there was lots of travel and working on a global stage and, um, you know, incredible dinners and, and events and, you know, opportunities to to meet some of the biggest publisher, tech publishers, digital publishers. Um, and other agency heads that that were really inspiring to me. So those first couple of months, like all this stuff was coming at me that was really, really cool. Um, and, you know, and that was also the time that I was spending sort of on my listening tour where I was just really trying to understand where our clients were at, what they needed. Um, so that kind of research and that kind of work I, I love because it's about talking to people and really understanding, you know, what are the insights that underlie their business? What are the insights that they need to grow? Um, so I was doing things to actually that I was good at and that I enjoyed, um, but it was on this like much bigger stage and I had a huge team and, you know, it was exciting to me to think about all the things, all the possibilities, um, that were ahead for our clients and for the team. We had just moved into a beautiful brand new office and I had the opportunity to launch us in that office. Um, and it, it was a historic building in Boston. So, there was a lot of attention on it and it, and they had done a phenomenal job building it. So there were like all these new things, new and sexy things that were happening with the job in the first few months. And I did love it. Um, I think what sort of triggered, you know, in the back of my mind that it wasn't going quite the way I wanted it to, or what I had expected was when uh, we lost a very big client Um and, and and that it had been in trouble long before I had gotten there, but I was I was supposed to pick up the pieces and and figure out you know what we were going to do now that that client was gone since that client was a big part of our revenue um, and how I was going to you know fill it in what was I going to do with the people what was I going to do with you know the lost revenue and how was I going to um, you know fix it. Uh, and so for me, it's not a problem to do that stuff. I can fix problems like that. I, I, I'm operationally quite competent and I, you know, think I'm a good people manager and people developer, but 
it was the way it all went down that I sort of got this inkling that I was seeing behind the curtain a little bit, that it, everything wasn't quite as glossy as I thought it was. Um, and then shortly after that, I had brought a startup, a Boston startup to a client um, to do something really innovative and a really innovative program that I thought that they would love and got the client super excited about it. And the client was, you know, totally gung ho. And then, um, you know, ultimately, some somewhere, somehow, it was decided that we were not going to use a startup um, to fill this need. It was too risky to use a startup with this client and that we would go with someone who had what I thought was an inferior offering, but was more stable, was growth, had grown, um, and was a, 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 you know, a little safer bet. And I, I thought to myself, like, geez, you guys brought me in here to bring the latest and greatest to you to, to show clients, you know, the, the next shiny thing. And then when I do, it's not really what you wanted. So I guess it was those two moments where I started to see that, you know, maybe at the time they thought they wanted me for what I was bringing, but it didn't turn out to be that way. And so for a long time, I worked and did, did it the way they wanted um, and, you know, stepped up and, and, and managed it and did all the things that I was supposed to do there, but I didn't have joy in it. Um, and I, I felt that pretty quickly um, that the joy in that work wasn't, wasn't really for me. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, you know, I, we, we, not only in the culture, but I think sometimes we really have to learn the hard way and we get so bought into the allure of jobs, people, this, that. And when we really like have a minute when a few things happen and we can't like, we, you can't see all the layers until they're shed. And you're like, what the heck did I just bite into or get into? Um, especially but for me, I like to feel like I can get up every day and be creative to make right. something. So, and I wasn't supposed to do that. Right. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be making something. Right. It's like your core value is like for who you were was like kind of knocked down to shouldn't do it. And, and that's like, I want to take a step back actually too, before we continue to dive in and move forward. Where do you think that your um, sense of innovation creation comes from within. I mean, when, when did you develop that? Uh, do you have any distinct memories? I mean, I, I can think about that for myself the first time. I'm curious about for you when you realize that knack for creation. Yeah. I mean, even as a kid, I was always one to want to lead groups of people into battle or into change or into something that was unknown. So, you know, sort of creating something out of nothing had been, I guess, part of my DNA in a lot of ways. Um, and then I think the way it sort of solidified was that I went into a very classical brand marketing career out of business school. Um, and I worked for companies like Procter and Gamble and Coca-Cola, which are phenomenal training grounds for marketers. Uh, you learn competitive positioning, you learn brand building, you learn market research, you learn about consumer insights, all these things, all those tools and, and those abilities, they play out in pretty much any job you have after that. It's the best training ever. And um, I knew then that those were the skills I wanted to be using all the time. And those were the skills that excited me. Um, and, and a lot of what underlies those things is understanding people's emotions, understanding what people buy and why, understanding the insights that cause trends to collide. 
those were the things that excited me. And those are, you know, creation things. Totally. Um, it's, I mean, what a gift though, right? What, what a gift to be able to realize that I'd say younger age the most to really like lean in and tap into those aspects of self and say, yeah, this is what, what brings me joy and excitement. And you, not only that, we're able to recognize, sounds like, or be aware of when those aspects of yourself weren't being fulfilled to also realize that might have stepped into something that wasn't as alluring as maybe it, it seemed on paper. So very- yeah, I mean, it was a very sexy job um, and it paid extremely well. And, you know, I was coming from running a nonprofit and working in startups for a while. So it wasn't like I had this sort of glitzy global platform to, you know, in my role, I was working internationally. I was working with, you know, real titans of industry and that hadn't been what I had done all that much up until that point. And I just missed startups. I missed that early stage of, of that seed of an idea, that opportunity to help people shape something mm. just at the beginning. And like I could viscerally feel that because when I did get the chance to do it every once in a while at that point, I could feel like my happiness rising. I could feel lighter. I could feel freer. Um, and I knew just at my core that, that work was, that was going to be my life's work. That was what I needed to do with my time. Wow. That's so great. That's so great. So um, let's talk about you realizing that moment, realizing you were in the wrong shoes, so to speak. How did things unravel and unfold for you next? Uh, Perhaps in terms of leaving, in terms of finding work again, that mattered and was meaningful. Mm -hmm. So I was there about a year and a half. you know, trying to make it work, trying to find my way. Um, and I had a great team. So I feel really fortunate that the people I got to work with, I really adored. And so that, you know, allowed me to stay in a, in a role that I didn't love for a year and a half. But eventually it became very clear that I wasn't happy. You know, my family was even telling me things at the time. My children were younger and they could even tell that mom was not happy going to work. And one of my sons said to me at one point, um, I, we were having this conversation and I was like, oh, I don't remember that happening. And he's like, oh, well, mom, that was that was the lost year. That was the year that you weren't really in it with us. And I'm like, oh, OK, like they picked up that I was not engaged in my life. And I was you know, so consumed with making this job work for me. And that had never been something that I wanted for my life, that that element of putting my career before my family. So um, that that hit home pretty hard. And I realized that I still had time before my boys were going to go to college and life would change. And I really wanted to be the kind of parent that was around to go to lacrosse games in the afternoon and to after school and to be involved in their lives and to know what was going on with them. And I didn't want those years to be lost years for me. So I knew I, I was working against time. I had to do something or else I was going to miss that time with my kids. Um, and so it became rather urgent, actually, to um, to pull the ripcord. And so that's what happened. So I pulled the ripcord without a job. And that was just fine. My husband's so supportive. My family's so supportive that they were just like, we want you. We, we just want you back. I was at a point where I was physically unhealthy. I was mentally unhealthy. I was unraveling personally. 
Um, and everybody saw it. Everybody knew it that loved me. So I knew that I had to go. And so I actually took six months off and I didn't even look for a job all that much. Um, I really wanted to take the time to think deeply about who I was and what my life's work was going to be. And that is such a gift when you get to do something like that. And I know you're doing something like that right now. And, you know, I totally empathize with what that feels like. It's scary. Um, it's, it's fun. It, you're feeding your soul. So, you know, you're doing a good thing, but there's also this like, oh my God, where's my safety net? Like what's going to happen if I, if I don't find uh, the <laughs> thing that makes me go. Relate to that um, on the personal side. But anyways, it's all, we're all, it's all interconnected at the end of the day. But yeah, yeah, totally. So I just, I just, um, I took a lot of long walks. I focused on my health. Um, I lost 20 pounds and started exercising again. And, um, you know, just generally everything started to clear, you know, like you start to get the blurriness to go away, the fog to go away. And you just you get so much clarity when you're able to focus on yourself in such an intensive way. Um, and I spent a lot of time with my boys and it was great. That's great. Um, well, what, I'm thrilled that you were able to make the changes. I'm thrilled that you were able to like lean in and say, who am I? And tap into that. And I'm sure your, your sons will are thanking you later for it. Uh, and good. Yeah. You, know, you took care of yourself. Uh, right. If you, I mean, again, you might have nothing here, but I, I am kind of trying to pry if I can, mm-hmm. where did your, um, do you think your motivate? By the way, I think your motivation and your tenacity—it's incredible. Like when you see that in anyone, right? It's it's a beautiful drive. But sometimes under that drive is a driver, um, and I'm curious if you had any drivers of that were kind of pushing you um, to keep going, searching for more, better. Well, I had a mother who was incredibly successful um, with her career um, and she achieved, you know, a lot. She was a great leader. She ran big organizations um, and she was a a much beloved community member here in in Boston. And um, while she always told me I could be whatever I wanted and you know, she would be happy with that. I also kind of felt like there was this element of I had to be as good as she was. I had to achieve the kind of status and recognition of helping people that she did. Um, And so I think that pushed me a little bit also in a certain direction um, Mm -hmm. to want to achieve at at the same level. Um, But she was also someone who gave back a ton. She, She helped so many people. She was CEO of the Girl Scouts at one time. And you know, she, she did really innovative things with that organization. And so I wanted to be like her. Uh, and I think that drove a lot of it. Wow. And um, one, thanks for the vulnerability. And um, two, did you ever talk to her about that? Like the desire to live up to maybe expectations you created for yourself to be like her? I'm just curious if you guys ever had that conversation and what was said. Oh yeah. We've had multiple conversations about that over time, many, many different times. I mean, when I, um, (laughs) when I first came out of college, I wanted to be a stand-up comedian. So like the idea that I wasn't going to go into a traditional career path, she was just absolutely like, you're not doing that. You're absolutely not doing that. Um, and, uh, and I listened, um, and I'm glad I did because I probably wasn't a very good stand-up comedian. Um, but I think the thing that 
was hard for her was that she didn't, you know, she didn't grow up knowing about startups. Like startups were just becoming a thing then, right? It wasn't, Shark Tank wasn't a thing. Like people didn't, you know, aspire to be entrepreneurs the way they do today. And so in her mind, she was like, what's the startup thing? What's this entrepreneurship thing? Aren't you just a small business owner? Like, I don't understand this. Um, and she, she really couldn't grasp like how I could make a career out of helping early stage founders, like how that could be, uh, you know, a career path for me. Um, and so she was very nervous for me. She, she was nervous that I wouldn't find what I wanted. And I think, you know, ultimately all she wanted me to do is be happy. And, um, but I think it was frustrating for her because she didn't understand what all the world that I wanted to work in. Yeah. That's so interesting. Um, (laughs) <laughs> very interesting um it's great i mean it, it i can totally see like wanting to like maybe live up or meet her where she was at yet you going off in your own way to like maybe be seen in her eyes she still didn't understand and so i'm sure that was really hard on you um but uh yeah well thanks for sharing i'm sure you didn't expect to get into family history today but <laughs> I, I i sensed there was like a, a driver behind Behind, or a drive behind the drive, you know, whatever I said, but I'm, I'm glad that you were able to open up because it connects the dots. Right. Yeah. And I, I find, um, people talk about career paths, right. I think there's a lot of personal experience. It kind of lends itself into those decisions. So thank you for being willing to share. Um, okay. So let's talk about that meaningful transition that you were able to make where, um, to level set here, you, you, we're doing something you loved and it brought you that joy and that fulfillment. And you came into where your son's, your son realized my mom isn't even there. Right. And so you're able to step away, take some time for yourself. Amazing. Um, during those six months, right. When you were taking long walks and getting your health in order and being the mom that you always wanted to be, I'm sure, you know, what, how you start thinking about, the road ahead. Um, what, what were the things that were coming to you that were, became important to you? Um, you know, the second time around and finding work that really mattered to you. Well, what I did was, is I did sort of a, a, another kind of listening tour, which was I had meetings with people who I had worked with before and people who knew me well and people I had interacted with before. And I said to them, what am I good at? What do you think I'm good at? And I, I just, I genuinely wanted them to know, I didn't want them to, you know, puff me up or anything. I just wanted to genuinely know like what they saw in me that they thought was, you know, special or unique or good. And I wanted to hear it from their perspective in their words. Um, So I did a lot of that, a lot of that conversation around, you know, and, and at the same time asking them like, what do you think I suck at? Like, you know, what have you seen me do that you think is not a good idea for me to keep doing? Because I'm a big believer in playing to your strengths. I am not a believer in like, let's work on your weaknesses and try to make them great. I think that that isn't really the best way to go about life and to find joy. I think the best way is to find what your strengths are and lean hard into them and be great at that because it gives you joy. Um, and that's not to say, you, you know, you shouldn't be learning, but uh, I think the idea of leaning into your strengths was something that I felt strongly about. So I wanted to understand what those strengths were from other people. Um, and so I did a lot of that research, you know, I was kind of doing research on my own product. Um, and I, I got a lot of really great feedback. People were super honest with me and, and, you know, gave me very specific examples and, 
you know, I was able to sort of tell when I was in a flow state versus not being in a flow state, uh, doing the work that I was doing. And so it came around that I really just, I missed the startup community in Boston. I missed all those people. I missed that work. Um, and I needed to find a way to get, find my way back to that. Um, and I was really fortunate because at the same time, Babson College, which is in the town next to me, a phenomenal entrepreneurship school, um, was looking for an executive director to lead their entrepreneurship center. And holy cow, like that was my dream job. Like I realized and, and it was like this confluence of timing was insane. Um, I realized that was my path. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to teach. I wanted to mentor. I wanted to help early stage founders. Um, and I guess I'd always wanted to teach. There, that had always been in my you know, career path, I think. I always wanted to be a college professor of some sort, but I thought it was going to be much later. Like, you know, they say like sort of when you're going to slow down and take it easy and, you know, teach a class here and there. And like that, that seemed to be when that should come into play. So this was way earlier than I had planned it, but man, it was like the perfect job for where I wanted to be. So I was lucky. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Um, it's funny how like the universe kind of pops things up when, we need them the most or not need them the most. You kind of listen and tune in. So, and also higher ed, you know, it, from what I understand, I'm never worked in your shoes, but it gives you that freedom, right. To like meet your son's lacrosse games when you can and, and take those times. So how cool. Um, and to work at such a prestigious university at the center of innovation and uh, fulfilling ideas and startups. So um, to take us, um, take us with you on that joyride to Babson, you know, what, what was the experience like? I mean, I know a lot of actually Babson students from how we interacted. I actually met one last Friday. I mean, really does attract a beautiful um, intellect. Um, what what were you able to not just do there, but be a part of there and, and witness and help push forward that really maybe speaks to you and, and reflecting? Well, at the time that I was at Babson, it was a time of great growth. It was a time of leaning into what we were great at, which was, you know, teaching entrepreneurship. Um, the college had been, you know, number one ranked in entrepreneurship for decades. And it really was establishing itself at a time when entrepreneurship and teaching entrepreneurship was becoming such a big deal. Like everybody wanted, all these colleges wanted to have it. They all wanted to know how Babson did it. Um, and at the same time, it was coming into Babson when um, we needed to do more if we were going to stay the leader. We needed to step up our game and do more. And I was just the person to help them do that because it would allow me to create every day. And they gave me so much freedom. I was I was held to, um, you know, budgets and so forth. So I couldn't go all crazy, but they really allowed me to innovate and create every single day. I felt like I was going to work again like I said earlier in our conversation, to build something every day. Um, and we were building something. We were taking this entrepreneurship center that was, you know, humming along and doing good things to something that was phenomenal. That was a student experience that everybody remembered, everybody talked about and had absolute total impact on their lives, their trajectory, whether or not they became an entrepreneur after school, didn't matter. It was just that they had an experience or did the project or, um, met someone at the entrepreneurship center that changed their lives. That was my goal. Um, and I think we achieved it. So cool. And the people, the people management skills that maybe you had developed in your past lives, 
uh, past career, you could really pour into these students, right? And bring your skills at innovation and creation to help them foster their ideas forward. And I'm sure that like you could really um, speak into their souls, right? In a way that maybe no one ever had before, very few people had. Yeah, I think that if you asked the students that I worked with at Babson and the ones that I, you know, really had the opportunity to dig in with, um, I mentored hundreds of them. Um, and the mentorship part I, I loved because that's about teaching and coaching and all that stuff that I did developing people in other roles and, and love to do. But the ones that I really worked closely with, you know, there was probably, you know, 25% of the ones that I worked with that I really dug in with and really knew well. And I think um, what you'd find them saying about me was that I just cared so much. You know, it was like they could call me day or night, weekend or not, like any time it wasn't like I ever turned it off. I wanted to help them build their companies. I wanted to, um, you know, help them create a confidence and a toolbox that they felt like they could do anything. Um, and, you know, so it's funny because you said earlier, like, yeah, you go to higher end and things kind of slow down, but that wasn't actually the case at Babson. It, you know, in general, Babson's just a much busier place than most higher institutes of higher education. It's a very, very busy place, maybe because it's a business school. Um, but it takes entrepreneurship itself very seriously. So, you know, we were all expected to be entrepreneurs in our roles. So it wasn't actually, you know, that I wasn't working weekends and nights anymore, but it was that I was doing it in a, in a more flexible way yeah. and in the term, in the terms I wanted to. Totally. Uh, I think that's, you know, it was a bit more controlled, but uh, I, I definitely had I've never worked in higher ed. So, um, you know, that was a bit of an assumption, but yeah, I'm glad. No, no, no. I think you're right about it. I think generally that is the case. I just, uh, and uh, I, and that's what I thought it was going to be going right. in, but then it turned out not to be, sure. <laughs> but, but it was okay. <laughs> but it still felt, uh, you could still meet like the needs that you had wanted personally and with your family, Definitely. Yes. which is so important and Definitely. still be super stimulated. So you kind of had the best of both worlds, which is, sounds really cool. Um, I really I'm really, am. Glad, you know, it's funny, like we, I remember we talked maybe a couple of times when I was in the Cairo stuff and, mm-hmm. but it's funny, like you never really know the person behind the screen. It's like they're, they're an email and you're trying to recruit and do this, but like, it's so much more than that. And like, we never really take the time to get to know. So maybe hearing it in retrospect, why you were there, it's like, wow, like that's why you were so helpful. It makes so much sense. You know, it's like, <laughs> um, of course. So um, Debbie, we spoke, um, maybe right when I got to Denver, maybe 30, 40 days ago. Um, and you were up to uh, some really interesting projects. Uh, I know you've done a lot in the last few years. I would love to kind of give you the floor to speak to kind of what you're working on right now, um, how it's kind of building on everything you've done in the past. I mean, take us on the journey uh, with what where you want to start. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to say I'm living the portfolio life, which is a term <laughs> that a friend of mine uses to describe, you know, a life with lots of different projects and interests that you kind of pull in and out each and every day. So every week is different. I, I sort of have a, a couple buckets of things that I'm doing now that I've left Babson. And, and it, you know, again, it's all around entrepreneurship. It's all around startups. I haven't left that world in the slightest. Um, but I've moved into angel investing, which has been so much fun. I did a little angel investing when I was at Babson, but I wasn't allowed to invest in the startups that I worked with there. 
Um, that was just a, a college policy. So now that I wasn't there and I had I had got to know so many great entrepreneurs there, there was this chance now to actually support them with money as well as my time and my energy and to dig in with them a different way. And that's what I started to do. Um, so I spent a lot of, I still spend a lot of time with early stage founders. Most of them are raising seed money or pre-seed money, sometimes the series A, but mostly, you know, in that seed range where I'm helping them, you know, plan their pitch. I wrote a book last year about pitching that did really well and that I got great feedback on. I feel like it helped a lot of people get some concrete advice and, and next steps and, you know, sort of took them through a process. So I use the work from my book and, and um, the book's called First Pitch. Buy it. It's on Amazon. Um, and um, so I still work with my book a lot. I speak to co other college student groups. I speak to accelerator groups. So I did like a sort of mini book tour you know, tech stars and all raise and mass challenge and new voices fund. And, and then, you know, 10 or 12 colleges that brought me in to speak with their students. So I, I I'm still doing that work and I love it. And it's a great basis for my angel investing because I'm also meeting some cool startups that I probably wouldn't have met otherwise um, in doing those talks and those workshops. Um, and so I'm loving the angel investing. It's really fun. I'm learning a lot too, because, you know, it is a different way to look at startups than I was previously. Um, and so I've gotten a great, assembled a great group of people together who want to invest together. And I'm also part of another angel network that is really wonderful. It's called TBD angels. Um, my firm is called upside angels. And, um, so that work is cool because it, it brings together everything that I love and I'm getting to work with friends and, and, you know, colleagues from other past lives and past jobs that I adore. So that yeah. makes it even better. No, it's, it's so cool. It's like you brought everything under one roof. The, yeah. the book probably supports deal flow. The deal flow probably supports the book and your, you know, yeah. sure the projects and consulting and things you all and are connected. And uh, what a beautiful like world in your kind of brought piece. It is. I think it's, and so then I got to do, um, I built an accelerator also. So a VC oh. firm brought me in um, to run an accelerator for professional athlete founders. So all the founders of these startups are professional elite athletes. Um, and we took them through a 10 week program on working with these early stage startups that they had. And uh, so that was, again, another thing, like I knew how to do that from Babson. I was really good at it. I love that work, you know, seeing them at demo day, how far they've come, Feel like you're kind of launching your little babies into the world um and then you know staying with them as they continue to grow um, you just see that their businesses change so much and then they change so much as people too it's just very rewarding work yeah no it's so great it's uh very, it seems very interconnected i mean you're a mother of the kids mother of the startups and uh <laughs> yeah. No. yeah very, actually that's uh, funny you know, that you say that because so many of my students would call me their baps and mom because i, I guess <laughs> i can't help but mother people i suppose i don't know <laughs> well debbie um this has been such a joy such a treat to do this with you um you're such an authentic uh light and really uh thank you glad that we were able to reconnect do this me uh, too i had a good hunch this would be fun i i since i was right on that hope hope you do too <laughs> Um, yeah. where, where can people find you the book if they have 
a, a deck they want to send to you? You know, what's the best place to contact you? Sure. So I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I'm on Twitter a lot. Um, my Twitter handle is at Dr. Kleiman. Um, and I have a website for the book. It's called the first pitch And I have a website for my angel uh, group and that's called the upside angels.com. And on that site, there's also a page about speaking and workshops. If you, if someone wants to bring me in to do some work with a, a group or do some training. Awesome. Well, Debbie, thanks for showing up today as uh, yourself. It was great and uh, excited to share this. This was great. I, I feel like I've been through a little bit of therapy now. It was good. Great. You know, I, uh, I'm not registered. So uh, no, don't take any advice. Well, thanks, Debbie. Thank you, Brian. It was wonderful to be here. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, I hope you leave a review on the platform of your choice and share it with a friend who you think would find it valuable. If you'd like to receive our written newsletter and thought leadership, head on over to bwmissions.com backslash newsletter and subscribe. See you on the next show.